where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt yes or are we from a different dimension (laughs) which version of matt is on the podcast today i mean this isn't really about the multiverse this is about the quantum universe the quantum realm okay oh yeah so maybe i'm just really small and i snuck down into my microphone mini sized um yeah uh yes yes i mean the dimensions come in at the end at the very least and they're talking about them but it's mostly set in the one dimension just in the quantum realm yeah yeah it's the little universe beneath our universe beneath ant-man's house yes okay so we are talking this week about the latest mcu film ant-man and the wasp latest and greatest Mania, the latest and the best of them all, <laughs> um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, the third Ant-Man movie. We previously did an episode on the second Ant-Man movie, and I want to say it was like our second episode, third yeah, episode. It was, it was yeah. very early in the lineup. Yeah. So again, it feels full circle uh, coming back to this on our final you know, couple months before you... <laughs> move to california and we have to quit the podcast um but yes so so we were watching this i will say just as a precursor i wrote the review of this for the av club which i a shocker to all our listeners (laughs) look a shocker to me just as well um so i've been writing reviews for the av club they sort of like i mean they have like staff staff critic but then they're extra movies you know they sort of dish out to people and so up until now i've been doing mostly like sort of smaller films um and when they asked me to do this one i was like huh uh, interesting because I'm not necessarily the most <laughs> forethought Marvel watcher. I haven't watched a bunch of the TV shows, which are, you know, interconnected. Um, I had to call several people before I wrote the review and sort of be like, okay, wait, uh, like, am I missing anything? Are we like, what's <laughs> like, what's up to speed? I didn't get a call. Yeah, but I think I talked to you on the podcast <laughs> about Jonathan Majors and like he was in Loki oh, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but so I was like very kind of, I've never watched a movie with such intent before. Oh, I had wow. like seven pages of notes. <laughs> I'm like frantically scribbling things down the entire time. Because if I'm writing a review on it, like there's not a Wikipedia synopsis. Like That's there's true. no place for me to check facts. I just have to go with it. And Marvel fans are crazy. And I was like, I can't just sort of, you know, like, wing I it. I already dealt with the Brad Pitt haters. Yeah. I, I can't take this. I know. I can't wing it and be like, yeah, this is somebody's <laughs> mom. And then have them be like, actually, it's the stepmom. And the real mom died in the quantum verse and whatever. So I... So I was watching very intently, wrote the review. The review has like hundreds of comments on it. it oh. Like, it's my most commented on ever... And they're all nice. Some people liked the reviews. Some people did not. A lot of people were just there to, you know, sort of spout feelings about other things, but in the comment section. Um, (laughs) About the movie itself, about the fate of Marvel, about, Mm, you know, AV mm -hmm. Club as a journalistic source, uh, about all kinds of things. Um, But so I went to a press screening. Um, It was very packed. Uh, They gave us the tickets to the press screening were like extra, extra large, sort of like they had been blown up, which I thought was like mildly clever, but then annoying because you had to carry it around. Um, and yeah, so I watched the movie, wrote the review. I am interested to <laughs> see what you thought about it. And also to get into all of the reactions, because I do think we are entering a new phase perhaps of Marvel and how it fits into the public consciousness. This is also the first movie of phase five, which I think we'll talk about at some point as well. But I guess what were your thoughts like 
going into it um and then you know your general thoughts on like the movie a hundred thoughts shelby had while watching quantumania yes um i i was i was excited because of jonathan majors i loved i love him i think he's such a talented actor so fun to watch in everything he's done and also, I loved him in Loki, and I think it's an interesting character. And, you know, one of the criticisms of Phase 4 is, like, it's disjointed and yet insisting on being jointed. Um, so there's yes. not, like, a through line, even though they keep referencing each other through these films and stories. And so I was like, okay, we get the big baddie. This will be fun. I also don't really care about Ant-Man, but Paul Rudd is, like, a fun character. So it's nice that it's, like, a more fun film. I read your review and I was like, you know, I cannot tell if this is a negative or a positive, but for Matt, I think it seems like he liked it enough. And that's like a win for the Marvel. So I went in feeling good. And honestly, I had a good time. Like I was like, this is more fun than I've had at most of the past Marvel movies. Like I was like, obviously Shang-Chi is in its own realm of goodness, but like Compared to Eternals, compared to Thor even, compared to Wakanda Forever, which just felt kind of bloated and and burdened, I was like, this is a good time. This is a good movie. I thought Jonathan Majors was a great villain, and I liked the humor intercut throughout it. It was a weird world that was kind of fun to sit in. So I like just left feeling like, yeah, great job. And then I saw the reviews, and I was like, Damn! Damn, like, because usually I feel like a Marvel movie's lowest is like maybe 75, like 80% Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know. I haven't looked at like Doctor Strange or something like that. But they usually sit pretty comfortably on the high. And this is at 45%. It's a rotten score. And even in Metacritic, like a more literal take on the score, it's still only like 60, 50, 60% or whatever. 50, 60 points or whatever. And so I was surprised to see the hate for it. Even if I understood their criticisms, I was like, sure, it's not like the other Ant-Man movies. And maybe it's, I don't know. It just feels like it's hard to review Marvel movies at this point because people are either mad at how much setup it is for other films or they're like, why isn't this more tied into other films? It just is kind of like, it's almost like reviewing an episode of TV rather than a movie because yeah. you, you can review it as a standalone thing, but it's hard. You sort of yeah. have to fit it into the context of everything else. And yeah, you can say like, okay, well, this didn't stand alone. But you're, it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's also introducing this character and developing that person yeah. and connecting this person to this person and setting up this TV series and coming off of this <laughs> other TV series. I, yeah, so... The the plot of the movie, I guess, before we get any further, is like Ant-Man is riding high off of his work in the Avenger, the last two Avengers movies. He's on a book tour. His daughter, who has been recast um, as the girl from Big Little Lies. um, Yes. She... She is like also a genius scientist. Everybody in Marvel's a genius scientist. It's like <laughs> I know it's every like, episode I we have somebody usually... who's like, "Wow, you've developed. You're six years old, and you've yeah. made a nuclear fusion reactor. No one's been ever to do this before." Yeah. Um, I was also so- confused about her because she's his son. I mean, she's his daughter, and he's just friends slash a partner with the Pym family. But she seemed to be very close to the Pym family. And I was it, confused about why, because her mother is still alive, right? It's not like she's an orphan. Right. Or, no, like, I think, yes, her like mother she's... is still alive. I was confused, though, slightly on who was who was gone in the blip and who wasn't. Okay, so how Ant-Man 2 ends is they send Paul Rudd into the quantum realm. And as he's there, the three Pims get blipped. And he's stuck in the quantum realm in the van. And then in Endgame, he a rat pushes a button and brings him back. So but he didn't does, get blipped, but he was gone for all of Avengers Infinity Wars and then realizes he had been gone for the five-year blip. And that's why his child is now a teenager. And so, and that's why the Wasp shows up at the final battle, but isn't otherwise in Endgame. 
Okay, so she, so I was trying to think, like, well, maybe, like, she got close yeah, to the Pims no. or something during the flip, no. but no, they were gone. Okay, okay, yeah. So <laughs> they were sense. gone. She was growing up with her She was getting very good the... at science. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she creates something or another that, I don't know, is somehow connected to the quantum world. She's making a signal down to the quantum yeah. world. She's turns trying to out, map it. <laughs> yeah, turns out, bad idea. They all get sucked in. Um. The quantum world is basically a mix of Strange World, the Disney movie, and uh, Star Wars. And <laughs> they are, you know, going through various adventures or whatever. Well, the Mich- two get separated. So yes. the Pims are together. Um, a- and then Ant Man and his daughter are together. But the, the, I mean, all of the sort of the machinations of the movie, I feel like, are whatever and we don't necessarily need to get into them all but basically michelle pfeiffer was down in the quantum realm before we thought she was just like chilling down there by herself but actually she was with Mm. kong and they were kong was stranded there sort of gave her a sob story they're working together to build his ship so that he can escape but then she realizes that he's actually like a horrible person who's trying to destroy universes and so she sort of screws things up for him um, and locks him down there. And so now he has pulled all of the Ant-Man Pym grouping into this, into the quantum realm to try to get them to uh, sort of like uh, help him escape. Um, And uh, yeah, and so it's basically a plot that's all about like trying to shrink this piece that's then going to go on his ship that then he can launch the ship to escape um and one and in the beginning people are just kind of wandering around in the quantum realm but then once the ant-man crew all realize what's happening then they're sort of fighting against him to try to make sure that he can't leave um i would say that's the general plot is there anything else to add yeah i mean yeah when you sit back and you're like what's really like what are the mechanics of this universe beneath our universe and like there were weird like comments where it's like oh this didn't used to exist or oh you know but it grew and it was like wait when what how what was it like when she was there and then he like he's the conqueror but it's also like he took over civilizations that already existed but then she was also like his power brought this kind of growth like he had this because he comes from sort of the future. He had tech way advanced. And so that was able to like advance this quantum realm too. And so all of that was kind of like you the window dressing of the film doesn't necessarily hold up. But there were <laughs> I don't know where to start because well, I had criticisms during it, but I yeah. also had a good time watching it. The thing is, it's a very weird movie. Yeah. I said in my review that I think it's the weirdest Marvel movie that they've well, made. Doctor Strange was pretty weird. Doctor Strange was weird. But the but thing with more fun. the thing with Doctor Strange that it was more like tonally all like it was weird but it felt like it made sense as a tone for the movie even if it didn't fit in with the rest of the Marvel movies really. Right. The thing with this is that you're taking the Ant-Man franchise which is sort of like the jokiest doofiest version of Marvel. Like, the first two Ant-Man movies, yes, there's, like, villains or whatnot, but it's more of a comedy, and the stakes are pretty low. They're just sort of, like, running around San Francisco, you know, shrinking buildings and whatnot. And then in this movie, so I think it's an odd choice. Like, I understand with the quantum realm and stuff, like, how that kind of maybe necessitates that you introduce Kong in a Ant-Man movie. Kang? Yeah, Kang. Um, but <laughs> but it's like I don't. Name. <laughs> but I, I don't know, whatever. Um, but but it then makes a very disjointed storyline or a, or tone for the movie because the Ant Man bits are so wacky and zany and goofy, and then you're bringing in this very serious villain and i love jonathan majors Mm -hmm. but jonathan majors is not really like a comic actor he's always seems like deathly serious and everything that he's in for the most part and so he is giving these performances that are like full of gravitas and then at the same time you have like this 
floating, uh, you know, head wandering around talking about not being a dick. You have like this jelly blob who's obsessed with holes in his body, like just so much weird, like surrealist things. And then this like heavy sort of main character coming in. And then you also have all of the mechanics of the world building of the quantum realm and the different dimensions. And so I do like, it is a good time, and the fact that the movie's only two hours, like, yes. makes it zip by. Like, yeah. I, I at no point was bored in the movie, and I feel like I gave it a decent review just because of that. But if you're looking at the film as, like, an art piece, it is doing lots of things, and I don't necessarily think well or that work together with other pieces in the movie. Um like, I sort of wish that they had just, like, given us an Ant-Man movie and then tried to put Kong in something that made more, you know, like, put him in, like, a Captain Marvel or something that makes more tonal sense. But I realized yeah, that they couldn't I get necessarily the do that. I think a lot of people agree that it's, like, messy and kind of unearned character arcs and some moments that are just too ridiculous for the seriousness. But it felt like... I liked that it was an an unserious character forced to reckon with this very serious character. And I think Paul Rudd was a good choice for that because he is like so personable and relatable. Like he's your average superhero. Like that's his whole shtick in the beginning where he writes this book and it's like, I'm just doing my best to help the little guy. And so I liked that he was our vehicle to introduce Kang because it seemed like that's more interesting than facing Kang off against some, you know, he, he brings up, I think like, Oh, are you the, are you the Thor or someone like he'd murdered other Avengers in other timelines before. And so it was funny that it was this literal, like, Oh, I'm the little guy facing off against this conqueror. And so I didn't mind that like tonal pairing because it felt like that was what ended up kind of confusing Kang because he's like what what are you what are these ants like why are there ants everywhere and I felt like that was kind of funny and also worked for this David versus Goliath sort of tale but I do agree that as a piece it doesn't pull everything together because I think even the writer was like oh it's like a daughter father-daughter story like we watched a lot of Steve Martin a lot of Robin Williams films to get a sense for this like overarching theme between a family guy trying to protect his kid the underdog dad but then he's also like it's a family adventure it's an epic sci-fi movie it's a coming of age story and it's like okay sir we need to pick one of those and work with it (laughs) because having like these six different character points was the weird part for me where it's like Yes. I could have done without this like weird the daughter kind of being disappointed with the dad because it's like girl it's been like what maybe a year since Endgame and you feel like he's not doing enough to like continue fixing the world and she's like you don't do anything dad (laughs) I'm getting arrested at protests and it's like okay. Well the problem (laughs) the problem is with these Marvel movies is that they're introducing more and more characters from the movies and the TV shows and so there's just so many more plot lines for this movie because you have Ant-Man you have the daughter you have Michelle Pfeiffer's character who has a big arc you have Kang you have the Wasp who is technically there even though she doesn't really have a plot line you have this redemption arc for the villain of the first Ant-Man movie who comes (laughs) back you have Michael Douglas and his obsession with ants like there's just so many things and then you also have these ridiculous side plots and characters like there's a whole new group of like a g- guardians Miss of the galaxy esque yeah. like alien group where there's a, like a Xena warrior princess person. There's the guy from the good place who can read minds. There's the jelly blob. Then you have this introduction of um, Bill Murray as a character randomly who's in there for one scene there's just so much happening and i think that also contributes to the tonal stuff like i like what you 
said about the theme of, you know, kind of the David and Goliath bits, but like the Bill Murray scene does not contribute to that. It just contributes to the chaos. Um, Well, and there's this whole, like the main bit is, will they be able to shrink this, this, I don't know, core, this power core. And so that's like, it is like when you step back, you're like, huh, this is like little vignettes that don't really pull together in a clean way by the end because in the final act, it's like, oh, King doesn't just want to get away. He's actually lifting up this entire battle force um, to go and conquer the world, the universe. So it's like, it, it's like it adds stakes to it as it keeps going. So you're never quite sure what's happening. Like, I honestly don't know why the misfit aliens were storming the castle. Like, I guess that used to be their home, so now they're taking it back. But it's also yeah, he was like, like a bad dictator or something. Yeah, but then it's also like she sends out a message to the to the quantum realm to be like, come and fight. And it's very much like, you know, this underdog, like, let's take it back. Kind well, of. So it's like, and that's... then the ants show up, and that's like a whole storyline where he's like, well, they've been here for centuries. Well, we've only been here for a day, and they've been able to like grow. Like, so yeah, it's like as you like pull these pieces, you're like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cheap storytelling. Like, that's kind of well, it's just so many different pieces that don't (laughs) like go together, and they sort of work in that it is so chaotic that it's fun and it's not like a slog at any point. But yeah, like when the ants all showed up and then the ants were attacking, or the whole scene where it's like the multiple versions of Paul Rudd, and then one of them just happens to be a in a Baskin Robbins <laughs> uniform for like no real reason. Um, like, yeah, there's just so much stuff. The other thing that I found frustrating about the movie, well, I guess maybe a couple of things that I think yeah. are Marvel, like just overall Marvel notes in general. Like one, the movie looked terrible. The did, CG yeah. was horrific. Like the, it, you could tell that it was green screen. Nobody was with each other when they were filming it. Like it did not look good in any way and there were lots of shots where i was like oh uh, like we could have had some more post work yeah. well, done when someone pointed it out it's like they always center the characters and then blur the background so yeah they don't have to do detail work there's no interesting set pieces it's just like oh fuzzy red air golden glowy yes. or behind them and it's very boring and dull as you're watching it. And the lighting looks different on their faces than in the background. So they stand out even more against it. It looks like an SNL like green screen at yeah. various points. It's honestly like watching an old 60s movie and it's like a painted backdrop of yes. Texas. And like while someone's like in a car out. or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the other thing that I found frustrating about this movie is that basically they do this twice where there's information and you know that the information is coming but sort of inexplicably they refuse to give it to you because they want to save it for later in the script even though it doesn't make sense and so then you're going through a chunk of the movie sort of confused so that you can get the payoff of this reveal later that doesn't but it the payoff isn't that good like the first thing is that michelle pfeiffer like refuses to tell everybody the story of what happened with her and kang she's just sort of like afraid of what's going on in the quantum realm and everyone's like well what's going on in the quantum realm and she's like I'm not sure I can say (laughs) and so then you're going for 40 minutes of the movie and you're like well woman just spit it out because now we're having to go through these scenes like not really knowing what's happening and if you gave us those details earlier it would make some of this make more sense and I didn't think that when we finally got the reveal about Kang that it was necessarily more impactful because she had not right. told them for a while it's it just sort of felt like a weird plot mechanism and then the same thing happens in the back half where kang is talking about how he was exiled by these people and something was in they didn't want him and he was fighting them but he keeps using these vague pronouns and you're like who is he taught like what it like was he did the Avengers get rid of him? Like who, why is he here? Like what is happening? And then you realize that the people he's talking about are these like other Kangs from other dimensions who, yeah, who pop up in the post credit scenes. Mm -hmm. But 
again, it's like it's it's too late. We've been confused for too long. And then the reveal doesn't explain enough. Like I would much rather have had him just in the moment in the movie been like, yeah, this is what happened. The Kangs, you know, were out to get me, blah, 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 blah. And we got a flashback to what had actually happened. I, I feel like then I would have understood what was going on a lot more in that version. Yeah. Instead, we get this sort of like, big reveal in the post credit scene, but I just felt more confused than anything for the movie and then also during the post credit scene because it relied on, you know, like me knowing things from the comic books that I obviously don't know. Yeah, I think actually that uh, there's a quick explanation on Kang in the end of Loki, and that's probably why I let, felt less confused by that, which is annoying. Like, I'm not going to say that doesn't mean it's not a bad storytelling choice because that's a one-off TV show that wasn't even about Kang and that just kind of gives a summary of how, you know, Kang as this person is so smart. He's able to like break through the multiverse and in do so doing meets multiple variants of himself, meaning people in different, in different timelines who did the same thing and they're all him because he's this super genius, super strong. And so they start to control the universe basically. And so it's like a, the Council of Kings and whatnot. But yeah, no, it was definitely like weird, this sort of hedging on details for the story. I feel like it's hard because there's so many great, like, I know you don't love a lot of Marvel movies, but I think what people remember of Marvel are like, there's great like pockets of characters and like the Iron Man movie as its own is just so good. And then you have people who love the Captain America movies that are more character, you know, infused with a lot of characters and they basically are Avenger movies, but you have this like very straightforward character you can root for and whatnot. And so I feel like this doesn't do a good job of matching those sort of like guardians of the galaxy or whatnot. Like we have our characters and they're having fun, zany work together, but they also have emotional appeals or whatnot. But this does feel more reminiscent of those weird, like, like you referenced in your reviews, Star Wars-y kind of moments where it's, it's maybe less about the characters and more about the world building, which didn't totally pay off with this one, but I felt like it was fun enough for me to enjoy it because I feel like the last few Marvel movies have been such slogs through these sort of weird character choices, whether that's Doctor Strange or Wakanda Forever, where it's like, ugh, we have to get from point A to point B and everyone's miserable about it and it's not necessarily... Like, sure, people are having fun on the sidelines, but everyone's just, like, so, I don't know. It's, like, so character-driven, but not giving us any character growth. Whereas this was more, like, quirky. <laughs> it just felt more entertaining, I guess. And so I was less judgmental of it. But, yeah, the reviews seem to be very unsatisfied with that about shift. And um, I don't know if that stood out to you, but... Yeah, with I your mean, Star Wars analysis. I, I I mean I felt like they were uh, for whatever reason yeah with the world building uh, they wanted to make the quantum world different than yeah. what we'd seen so far and so I think they sort of just took Star Wars and <laughs> you know sort of jumbled it up a bit and said okay well basically the quantum world is is like a Star Warsy kind of place because you know it's all these different aliens and the way that they're doing like the makeup and the characters is sort of similar to Star Wars um, you know it's like these ships and a like rebel alliance versus an emperor and it, it just like very it tracks very easily onto each other um, I'm, I'm sort of confused as to where Marvel is going or <laughs> yeah. what their plans are because the the mechanisms in the first three phases of the mcu and the like in, what is it called the infinity gauntlet or whatever um it was it was very simple it's like okay we have six avengers we're basically like going to introduce them sort of one at a time with their own movies so that you get to know them i mean like hawkeye and uh yeah whatever but like even they popped up in other movies and so we're kind of creating this band of six people who are going to be the main engine for these Avengers films. And sure, as we moved into like phase three, we got like Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel and some like other more outlying people. Ant-Man. Ant-Man. But 
in general, we had our main characters, we knew our main characters, and even side characters like Ant-Man, when they're introduced, you have a movie where it's mostly just about Ant-Man, and so you understand him well, and then when he pops up in Marvel, you know, it's not like a big question, where now you have all, you have the remnants of all of those movies and sure some of the big characters have been eliminated but lots of the smaller characters have been kept around and not really given their own like growth narratives aside from some of them on television shows and then you have new movies with new characters but then also in a a lot of those movies i think with between like eternals um and yeah, you're introducing like a it's not like so singularly focused. Oh, yeah. You're introducing like a wide group of characters. Yeah. Um and then you have things like uh Doctor Strange and the new Black Panther movie that are also like then trying to introduce characters who are going to get TV shows later or are going <laughs> to be. So it's just so many yeah, different just... characters and it's hard to keep track of. I mean, we probably have like uh, what, uh, definitely over a hundred, if not two hundred now, like unique, like like nameable name, yeah. characters who are in these movies. I mean, if you think about Black Panther just by itself, it's <laughs> like you know we have the sister, the, now there's the, a child. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> there's so many people. I mean. And I had completely forgotten about the MIT girl from the Black Panther movie yeah. until I was looking at the upcoming um, Marvel yeah, yeah. stuff. But it's just so many characters. And then that doesn't even include all of the TV shows, which people aren't even watching necessarily. <laughs> and so it's just so much. And I don't understand how they're going to handle that, especially as they move into these movies that are... Um, theoretically going to be coming together and as a group of people in against Kang it's just it's it's too many it's too much and yeah. i think that with the i think that with the earlier movies in phase 4 i mean it's like you had black widow which was basically like tying up something you had shang chi which was such a beautiful like standalone story and then you had the spider-man movie which i think everybody was excited for that there were some high points but i think the sort of like run of eternals doctor strange thor and the tv shows had left people frustrated with marvel and then this movie is just sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back and everyone was ready with their knives out to like to go after it especially when it was so weird i think that maybe you could have slotted a movie like this in like somewhere in phase three and people would have been more forgiving of it but at this point i think people are sort of sick of marvel and over it and are more than happy to rip it to shreds if need be I think it's less they're like over Marvel. I think it's more they're like waiting for that magic Avengers moment again. Like they're like in Infinity Wars and Endgame gave such a clean narrative where it's like, boom, there's these rocks and we've seen them before. And oh my gosh, now we know what they're going to do. And so there's like this, there's this payoff and that's like a dopamine hit that was like, whoa, look at these Avengers, you know, assembling and having to fight this big baddie. And I feel like the criticism of phase four has been, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? How are these tying together? They're not tying together. And then you get frustrated that you're meant to care about these individual, but then they're not standalone. They're not doing a good job being individual because like you said, there's so many character overlaps. There's so many hinting and hedging about like what's to come. But then it's like people watch the Eternals and it's like, Oh, where were they during the blip? Oh, what? No one talks about this mountainous man coming out of the ocean. Like, well, that would affect this. And I think there's this weird, we want the big picture. Like we're just frothing at the bit for this big picture payoff because they're not satisfying us with these singular films because they do feel like such middle pieces. But I wonder if... It's the same thing that happened with Thor where they're like mad that it's like, what's the point of this? And I was like, well, it's fun. Like, can't a movie just be fun? Can't a movie just be fun anymore? And I feel like that's how I felt with this too where it's like, sure, it's not perfect and it's not as clean or 
I don't know, trimmed as as some of these earlier Marvel films, but it's like fun and and Jonathan Majors is a great character in it and it's like watchable and there are interesting choices and like I don't know, it's interesting to think about what would make people like Marvel again because well, I think it I, is that they want to see a story make cohesive sense for the Marvel universe instead of individual characters. Well, I don't know because I I sort of agree and disagree. I'm not sure. Like this movie was fun to watch a first time. I don't know if it would be a very satisfying watch on like a second go just because it's so like chaotic. And I feel like the the first time it's like so many bright lights and crazy things that you're like, wow, like the time flew by. But I think if you were to do sort of any closer look at it, it kind of unravels a bit. I think the problem with... I think that people, I think the first set of Marvel movies was a very well constructed story from start to finish. Um, like, like we saw in like Harry Potter, I think too, where you felt like the first things were good. And then as you were going, you kept realizing that stuff from earlier movies was like there for a reason and was paying off. Um, and then you get to the end, you get to end game. And with the time travel sort of element, it just like so perfectly ties together yeah. all of these different movies and all of these different character arcs in a way that's so satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I think with this, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, there's not that trust. It there's not, like yeah, yeah, there's not that. that trust. But then also the individual pieces haven't necessarily been good either. Yeah. So it's not like in phase one or whatever, for the most part, like the movies were good, but then also them as a whole were good. Well, I mean, I this, get that, but it's also like you had Iron Man 2, which was panned. You had Thor 2, which was hated. I mean, uh, the Hulk barely made a, you know, it, it barely counted. They, they, they... <laughs> that as one of their own but it's like there were movies that weren't like well received but that they were willing to give the benefit of the doubt on yeah but I think I mean like because I'm just looking at the list now and it's like phase one you have like yes you have the Hulk and Iron Man 2 but you also have Iron Man Thor Captain America and the Avengers which I think were all like very well regarded well-liked movies and then in the second phase it's like yeah you have thor in the dark world but you also have the guardians of the galaxy introduced you have iron man 3 which a lot of people liked like i think that there was more yeah strength there where like this yeah i i it's and also the pieces like the good pieces don't feel like they're connected to anything. Yeah. Some of them just feel like flyaway bits. It's where it's like you have this Black Widow movie that doesn't really connect to anything, <laughs> or you have like She Hulk. Like, okay, yeah. what? Why are we doing that? Um, I also think there's an oversaturation. Oh, definitely. But I, but I, uh, I feel like that this phase feels to me more reminiscent of one the, um fantastic beasts franchise (laughs) of like it's this sequel to something or i guess it's a prequel but it's like it's a sequel to something like sort of trying to recapture the magic of the original but not quite yeah they just getting it yeah and then two like the star wars um (laughs) sequel series which a lot which people didn't like in Mm. that it's it feels not thought out fully. Like yeah, it, like you're watching it and you're like, wait, I don't think this is going to come together. And, <laughs> and initially, like when the first, when force awakens came out, everyone was like, wow, this is like so great. You know, like look at this, it's, it's working so well. And then you're kind of like slowly realize, Oh, they didn't know where any of this was going. They just <laughs> sort of like built something and thought and hoped that it would get to somewhere nice. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about this. Like, yes, we do have this slate of movies that are coming up with the, you know, the Kang dynasty and stuff. But even if you just look at the rest of phase five, like I'm already exhausted by it. Like yeah. you have guardians of the galaxy three, which I think has the potential to be good. Cause it's a James Gunn movie, but then it's like, <laughs> You have the Marvels, which is going to be another movie that is incorporating lots of different characters. Yes. You have a new Captain America movie that doesn't have 
Captain America in it. It's basically a sequel to the well winner soldier Falcon, um, <laughs> which nobody really liked or seems to care about. Then you have a whole new group of people in the movie Thunderbolts. And then you have blade, which is like a remake of a different series where they're introducing a new yeah. character. And it's like that again, feels like there's going to be nothing that cohesive or interesting there. And then you move into phase five and you have Deadpool three, which it's like, okay, sure. We, I guess can bring Deadpool into the Marvel cinematic universe, but he wasn't there before fantastic four, which is new characters altogether. And then you go straight into the back to back Avengers movies. Um, And it's like, uh, how, like, where is the build? Like, how yeah. do any of these pieces fit together? Or are we literally just going to have two movies at the end of this where they're like, hey, remember the 15 TV shows and 12 yeah. movies that you watched over the last five years? Well, here's <laughs> all of those characters again. I think, honestly, what they should have done is really insist on making standalone films because I think. It might have been hard to adjust and people would have been like, where's the cameos? But I think if they'd followed Shang-Chi, which is sort of a standalone with something more standalone, and you were building off these like, oh, Fantastic Four, oh, this is fun. Like standalone films without the TV shows and just letting these characters breathe and percolate and then bringing them together like with Avengers. Like I think if they'd repeated that better, it would have worked better. Um but yeah, it is just kind of a mess now and it's it's exhausting to keep track of the pieces and it's hard knowing what you need to know going into something and all of that. So it's like, sure, you have Doctor Strange, but it's actually Wanda and it's based on WandaVision and it's like, well, what, you know, and, and it's like, oh, does that mean the end of Wanda? No, probably not. She'll probably show up later and something. But it's like, no one, none of these actors know what's going on, like when they'll be back or if they'll be back. No one knows what's coming down the pipeline and what it'll mean for you know, is Jonathan Majors going to be in every single movie going forward? I don't know. And so it's just kind of like, I feel like they should have done stricter, like we're just doing an Ant-Man movie. We're just doing this. But that being said, they tried that with Eternals. They tried that with um, Wakanda Forever, but it just feels like kind of hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Like it's just, it is what it is now. Like they're, they've ballooned up. It's messy there's a lot of eyes on it. And that means there's a lot of people being able to pick apart anything. And that's not to say that I'm not like, I don't think it's doing a good job. And I don't know if I trust that the payoff will be anywhere near as good as the Avengers infinity war in game. But it is just like, I feel like they have kind of, I don't know, gotten too big ahead, flown too close to the sun, whatever it is. And they're just, there are too many chefs in the kitchen at this point. I think that they've just bit off more than they can chew. And it's like you can't keep a a universe this big spinning for a movie franchise. Like (laughs) I think on TV it's it's different. You have more time and, you know, whatever. You can have more characters and have people come back. But with movies, it's especially people who probably aren't watching the TV shows. It's just too much. And I... And I think what they needed to do, like if I was them coming into phase two, I think I would have said, taken a hard look at the group of characters that they had coming out of, or I guess in phase four, taken a hard look at the characters that they had coming out of phase three and been like, okay, some of these and their entire groupings of people, we are like, just like going to get rid of, you know, like Captain America done, Iron Man done. Like we're like, if yeah. it like Pepper Potts or whoever, like, sorry that you're still alive, but like you don't get a movie and really solidified like, OK, these are the couple characters that we're bringing over and we're going to keep doing their standalone movies. And then these are the four or five like new characters that we're going to introduce as sort of main Avengers and come up with a yeah. second iteration of the Avengers. That's very clear from the beginning of like, OK, it's Shang-Chi and, you know, ant-man and spider-man and what and just like pick your people and then go forward introducing them because like i think the most successful movie that they've had yet well i guess the two most successful movies that they've had are spider-man which is basically just a continuation of the spider-man movies it's not doing too much with the marvel like tv shows and stuff as a whole and then Shang-Chi, which is like the opposite of a completely new character, completely separate, like all new world building. And I think that's really well done. Well, you're assuming that 
<laughs> Disney cares about story. And we have to remember that they don't. Like, I think Iron Man was barely considered to be a good idea. Like, no one wanted it. No one thought it would work. And when it did, it was like, you know, they saw gold and they leached themselves to it. But now it's just IP. It's just they're they're fueling they're not making money from these movies. They're making monies from the spinoffs. They're making monies from the Disney characters and and rebranding rides as Galaxy and toys, blah 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 blah. And, yeah. and so it's like they don't care really. Like they aren't it's, caring about the story as much as they need to because they don't need to. Like it's just like It's just so fascinating to me though, because like of all of the studios disney is the one who for the longest time (laughs) was so successful by creating original content and making people obsessed with it and then you know being able to sell toys and stuff off of that and i think that the they took star wars and basically ran it into the ground they are now just constantly remaking all of these live action things and i i mean They've they've been successful so far, but I think that the the at some point they were gonna that run of people is going yeah. to end, and then now the Marvel universe I think is also sort of like showing warning signs. Yeah, and I think and you know some cheap. of the yeah, the but some of the best stuff that they've had in the last ten years have been like Encanto and Frozen and um you know, Shang-Chi and stuff that's completely original. I feel like when you look at the Marvel or you look at the Disney successes of the past 10 years, they are not all of their IP stuff. It's their uh, new stuff that has done the best. Like even Zootopia did really well. Yeah. Like that was an original. Um, Yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see how the dust settles on, you know, these streaming wars and kind of this re- calibration after the pandemic kind of halted movie going and all of that and i don't know like i don't think the end is in sight for marvel or disney like i think people continue to show up for these movies and that's shown in the the audience rating versus the critic rating of this film like dc's chugging along just fine and no one likes those movies but they have a strong enough core that they'll continue to be able to make movies and so it's like, will these get better? I hope so. <laughs> I'm frankly like, like I think what highlights this whole thing is is Evangeline Lilly's character, the Wasp, barely getting any screen time in this movie where she has the title card. And I knew that would happen. I knew that from the trailer. I knew it honestly from the first time they gave her the major billing, which is just that they they do things because they feel like they need to do them, but then they do a bad job at them. And I think that's what's starting to feel frustrating is like, oh, yes, like give us a Wanda movie and then they give us Doctor Strange and Wanda just becomes this sad mom. And then it's like, oh, yeah, Thor, we love watching him have fun. But then suddenly in the end, he adopts a child. And it's like, what is that going to turn into? Are we saying goodbye to these characters? Is this the last Ant-Man movie? A fourth one hasn't been announced. So it's like, maybe this was the last one. And if so, then why didn't we focus more on Ant-Man? And and what we already knew about Ant-Man, which was that he loved Hope. But Hope barely gets any like moments with him in this movie. They're separated for most of it. And when she's there, she looks like this like proud mom around him it's very weird how they have this like opportunity to pay off the relationships they've already built but instead throw new things in and it's like well what's why are we now concerned with michelle pfeiffer getting more screen time than the wasp who like barely shows up technically michelle pfeiffer is also the wasp so Oh, okay. So that's how they count. So maybe there's two wasps. Um, I see. Okay. Well, then I guess it's a, it is an Ant Man and the Wasp movie because they definitely had the most screen time. I mean, between I was happy for more Michelle Pfeiffer because I love her. But yeah. yes, no. Evangeline Lilly had no nothing, hardly anything. One thing though that I was um, I saw someone tweet about this, and I was like, I don't know how much Disney is taking this into consideration, but do you think there's anything to do with the Evangeline Lilly sort of no, like anti- No, they actually said no. She just came out well, and was like, they actually supported me and said, they'll never ask about that. They'll never be required. And so it's like, they don't give an F. Are you joking? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying that like- yeah. 
do you think that there's and like yes in a uh op, like in a public facing way like nothing has happened on that regard but do yeah. you think that at any point one they were getting this script ready somebody was like hey there isn't very much wasp in this and they were kind of like uh, <laughs> I, like i don't know if we necessarily need to go all in on the wasp given evangeline Lilly's. i like, don't know i doubt it thing. i feel like it was more that they saw an opportunity for this dad movie and and even that character arc wasn't that interesting to me because they had a good relationship they'd already solved that relationship in the first movie and so it was kind of like a made up problem where she's like, I'm not, I feel like you could do more. And he was like, I guess, you know, and it didn't feel like I wasn't that worried about them at all. I guess because the stakes are so low in these movies, you know, no one's ever going to die. Um, but it was just so centered on this. Yeah. We need to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love when a movie kills somebody and there's so many characters in Marvel. We got to start killing characters. Yeah. And some of these actors have to be tired of doing these movies. You know, it's like Captain America was like, please kill me, please kill me. And they I finally think did. So, though. I mean, Captain, yes, because Captain America was doing a lot, but if you're Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie, well, you yeah. probably showed up to some green screen in LA <laughs> for like a week, did a bunch of acting with no, Nobody else ha- didn't have to didn't have to go through hair and makeup because they're doing that all in post. And it was the easiest like two million dollars you ever made in your life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, and I guess as we wrap this up, um, my nitpick of the week, if you will. Oh, yes. I love wanna- a nitpick. <laughs> I was like expecting that Ant-Man sacrificed himself and the Wasp came back to be with him because it seemed like the the final battle is basically Kang is trying to get the core and he's going to break through. He's going to follow them through this like portal they sent back to Earth. And so he's going to be able to then escape that way. And he's like, no, you can't. I'd rather break this than let you get through there. And eventually he does kind of like make the choice to stay behind, break this core and suck King into this like death trap. And the wasp comes out and finally gets to do something. <laughs> and it's like, of course I stayed for you. And I honestly thought that the implication is that they were stuck there forever, that they'd die there. That they oh, just yeah. No, I there. did too. And then suddenly this other portal opened and I was like, what? How? And then I remember Because she was so like, smart that she could like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about how they rescued Michelle in the first place. But then it's like, well, the stakes are so freaking low. It would have been just like leave him there, at least for the movie. Like, I don't I don't know why they had to like rescue him because I was like, that's a cool, that's a baller move. Like, I was like, wow, yeah, way to be ballsy. But no. And then they could dig him up at some point in the later. Yeah. Um, Okay, quick question about Kang in general. Yeah. So, so this, the Kang in this movie was like the other Kangs did not like him. And so they exiled it, him here. Yeah. And, but then, but then he dies in the end of this one. Yeah. Which is sad because I liked this Kang. I think it was, so yeah, this it was Kang confusing. is, so for this, for, so for all of the like, oh, wow, this Kang is like the big bad Kang and the yeah. other Kangs were afraid of him. This Kang is gone now. And so moving forward, we'll be dealing with the other set of, of Kangs who are all sort of a team rather than this rogue Kang. Yeah. I have no, I know the, the, um, what's it called? The like mid credit scene Kang assembly um that's like based on a very specific comic book i think so i don't know which i don't know the king storyline aside from what was but there's multiple Loki. and one of them looks egyptian <laughs> yeah i mean i think the the point of king is the multiverse like he's able to time doesn't matter right so time and space does not matter so there's all these iterations of him and that's also the post credit scene with loki and his sidekick, Owen Wilson, meeting a Kang from like 1870 or whatever. And so it's like, I don't know how they'll like zero in on which is the most important or if it will be this weird collection of characters, because that was disappointing to me. I thought the Kang here was like interesting and like the baddie of the baddies is always going to be like the baddest. Um, but it also wasn't clear if he was exiled because he was going against them or something or he wanted to defeat them or uh rule them i don't know so i don't really know where it's going okay okay but i will say jonathan majors was the light of this film he has such a easy screen chemistry that it's just like watching him do anything is just so mesmerizing he's like the star of our time and i i love 
everything he does. So I, I wait, I was thinking about him and then I was thinking about another actor earlier this week. Um, Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> no, no, I love Michael. I think Michael B. Jordan is an incredible actor. Um, where, uh, now this is going to bother me, but where I think that Jonathan Majors is very, very good in lots of things. I think he has like a specific sort of like tick that he goes to, which is sort of like an aw shucks kind of a like thing that he was doing in Devotion and, you know, in like The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And I think in this, he was doing less of that and was being scarier, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought this was a good performance of his, but I, and I'm excited to get to see him play a bunch of different versions of this character. Cause I think that'll be fun. Did you watch the horror, um, the like, what was it called? The HBO show or whatever. Oh, Lovecraft Country? Lovecraft Country. Yes, yes, yes. And I feel like that was this, like the, that, that's the same energy that I'm talking yeah. about. Um, where, yeah, he had like, uh, I, it's not like uh, it's it's very like a little old me kind of a right <laughs> in certain ways. You know okay, what I mean? I guess, yeah, I guess. Yes, what you mean, yeah. and I feel like he sort of like you know hat in hand like right kind of an energy. And so I I think that he it's easy for him to get into that mode. So I liked seeing him sort of more like big and yeah. boisterous. And I'm excited to watch him in Creed three because yeah. I feel like he'll probably have a similar like different energy in that. Um, now I'm trying to think of who the other person is. It's like on the tip of my tongue. It's not Michael Sarah, but it's like somebody like that who, um, uh, who, who everyone's like, Oh yeah, he's so good. And I'm like, yeah, he is, but he's sort of always doing the same thing. Oh, um, Eddie Redmayne. That's who I'm thinking. I guess, of. yeah, I, I agree. Eddie Redmayne's doing the same thing, but, but you I know, Eddie Redmayne sort of different. like he like the first thing you see Eddie Redmayne in, you're like, oh wow, he's so good. And then once you watch him in a bunch of stuff, you're always like, this is giving like slight mental illness. You know, <laughs> like all of his characters are like are like a little like seem like they have a little uh, bit of Asperger's in the them. Spectrum. <laughs> you know, yes, and that's how I kind of feel like with Jonathan Majors, except for the like the spectrum part it's a little bit like um like well i'm just a simple little boy yes kind of a thing um and i'm like okay we like we've seen we okay we we get that jonathan like let's uh like let's give me something else so i was glad he did in this movie yeah no he's great i i i appreciate what you're saying i feel like i haven't hit that with him like tiring of anything he does but I can see what you mean. No, he's very, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like. I think it was. Did you watch Devotion? No. I don't think so. I think that that is because that movie's so long. Right. Um, and it's lots of him, and he is very good in it. But it, there was a part like halfway through where I was kind of like, okay, I think right. that we've used this mode enough, mm-hmm. and. I'm ready to sort of like, like the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, you're such a good actor. And I'm like, okay, you've basically just, you have like <laughs> these moves that you pull out. Um, but he wasn't doing that here. Yeah. So yeah, no good devotion good was like 700 hours long. It yeah. was truly the longest, most boring movie I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Um, well, I'm glad that this, uh, ranks higher than so many a film for you. It sounds like. I mean, yeah, I don't know where if I was putting it like in a Marvel ranking, I guess do you want to just by ending like, um, well, no, because this is phase five. This isn't phase yeah, four. Is I was going to say, should we rank the the movies that we've gotten so far in this phase? No, but it's like it's just ugh. this one. I do think so. I'm looking at I actually don't know because I really like Shang-Chi. Yeah. I did think Black Widow was good. It, no. as weird as it sort of was um spider-man i thought was good but i i uh, I, I think this was definitely better than dr strange and oh. i also didn't like thor love and thunder um eternals i liked but that felt like a completely different yeah, type of thing and black panther i thought was good but like was also not fun so <laughs> so there you have it yeah. yeah, I feel like this is better than what we've gotten recently. And so I wasn't, 
I was pleasantly engaged. And Ant-Man hasn't always been my favorite, so. Yeah, well, next, I mean, this year we've got, this is a three Marvel movie year. Um, so we have Gardens of the Galaxy 3 coming up in May, and then the Marvels in November. Um, mm. Which will both be yeah. big, sort of, lots of things going on movies. I'm interested to see if either of them sort of have any of the Kang elements or not. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm more optimistic for those two, I guess, than some of these other things that are on the horizon. But because yeah, then the like next year we've got if they can do a good got... movie, if they can do a good Fantastic Four movie, that'll be fun. But it's also hard because yeah, there's just like this pressure to be a good standalone, but also this pressure to matter, and so it's kind of like a weird dance to take. And so, well, and I'm like, we don't need extra characters at this point. Yeah, I'm like, like we, we have enough characters. Like that's not what the franchise needs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, we could use another blip. I could get rid of <laughs> half of these people. Yeah, well, I thought we got rid of Ant Man, but he Hashtag he bring home, back the blip. He went back to San Fran real fast. Uh, okay. Well, this is our last episode until I get back yeah, from enjoy Japan. Your vacation. So we have a couple weeks off. Maybe Shelby will do a we'll probably do episode. the Oscars. Maybe yes, sixty five. We- if you're interested, DM me, let me know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're not going to get any DMs on that. Um, that is like, a I'll pay you not that is a made that. for Shelby in a lab movie <laughs> that no one else is going to see. That's that's the the great the it's like it's like it goes so far it comes back sort of thing where it's like there's there's movies that I know Shelby's going to hate and then all of the things that Shelby hates in movies are in these terrible action movies and you're like, well, they're so far gone they're good. Um <laughs> It's exactly. like a a lonely man in outer space fighting against uh, dinosaurs for no reason. Like I'm in. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> this episode has gone longer than it needs to. Um, have a lovely break slash not break while I'm gone, yeah, and I will uh, see you guys in March. Perfect. Okay, you're not gonna say goodbye to me. You're not gonna. Oh, me. Uh, have a yeah, Matt. No, something. I hope you have a great trip too. I I'll really miss you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh, God, so, like, I had to beg for it. Okay, I'll see you guys when I get back. Bye. <laughs>